good day and welcome to Holding Fast. Thank you for being part of the podcast today. How is your anchor holding today? Have you seen our Lord work? Have you been able to remind yourself of His past acts of goodness towards you as we talked about in yesterday's podcast? When I sit down and enumerate all the ways that God has blessed me, I soon run out of time and it does a wonderful work on my own heart to remind me that the Lord will never forsake me. He'll never leave me. He's always there and he's working on my behalf. And uh, my Savior is appealing my case before the Lord. So it is good for us to be encouraged uh, when it comes to depression and despair and anxiety and battling through that together to take what Asaph did to heart in Psalm 77. The 77th Psalm we began looking at in the last podcast was a great reminder for us that I, when I am depressed and I may feel like God's favor is not towards me or his compassion is not uh, what I would think it should be or his grace is turned away from me, uh, I don't want to allow my circumstances to dictate my thoughts about God, but rather I want to turn to remember the works of the Lord as Psalm 77 verse 11 says, and remember his works from of old. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that it's something that has to be diligently pursued. You've got to continually, persistently remind yourself of these truths about God. Because in the darkness of your depression and your despair and discouragement, you really don't feel like they're true. Do you really feel like those times that God has his hand in his, your, on your life and he's working his purposes for you? Uh, his past faithfulness really does, though, bring a faithful, uh, bring a, excuse me, a rock solid assurance of his present goodness. That's why the psalmist did that. Asaph in the 77th Psalm remembered God's deliverance. And if you'll read it through, you will see that Asaph was remembering God's marvelous salvation in redeeming his people from slavery or out of slavery in Egypt. That's what he was focused on. And I too have a redemption story, and I know that you do as well if you're a disciple of Christ. Uh, I was once purchased out of slavery to sin by the mighty hand of God. The process of doing that looks a little bit different in everybody's life because we all come in different avenues and different routes to the cross of Christ. But nonetheless, we all come to the same cross, to the same tomb, empty tomb, to be reminded of uh, the redemption, the price that was paid for my salvation. His favor, God's love, God's grace, His compassion, they've really been given to me eternally through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And they're mine daily as I remind myself and as the indwelling Holy Spirit teaches and instructs me about these things. Asaph remembers God leads his people like a flock. He is like a shepherd. You read this psalm. He is a loving shepherd in the Old Testament just like he is in the New Testament. He tends to his flock with great care as he leads us in our journey into eternity with him. And that's how I fight depression. That's how you need to fight depression. It's sometimes a moment-by-moment experience. 
Uh, it isn't a cure or a fix. I preached this past Lord's Day and reminded people it would be very nice if I could learn my biblical and spiritual lessons well in this life as I walk through life and I get knocked about by all the trials and struggles and distresses. It would be nice if I could learn a lesson and then not have to go back and repeat it again. But the reality is it doesn't happen that way. I find myself having to repeat my lessons quite frequently. Hopefully I learn a little bit quicker each time the means of going through that. So this is not a cure or a fix that Asaph is suggesting. It's never going to go away. It's not even a, a promise that circumstances will change or that you won't feel the ongoing weight of a sudden depression or discouragement that comes on you. But it is an assurance that God has not turned away from you in anger, that you are not the object of his wrath. If you are his disciple today, you can be confident of this because he's already poured out all his wrath on Jesus Christ. It's already been taken care of. And now as I walk in this discipleship walk with Christ, I receive grace upon grace upon grace, even in the most difficult times in the days that I live. Same is true with anxiety in your life. When I'm anxious, I spoke on this just a few podcasts ago. When I'm anxious, I tend to have constant thoughts that are running through my mind. I'm constantly being torn in different directions. I feel like I'm just being ripped apart. One author said, actually, that anxiety, quote, steals mental real estate and emotional energy. That's so true. Uh, when anxiety starts to carve out a corner of my mind to call its own, uh, I have once for, again forgotten God. I have let him come from the place that he ought to occupy in my mind and in my heart. Uh, and I have forgotten that if God can care, as he says in Matthew chapter 6, for scavenger birds and feeds them even though they don't plant, even though they don't harvest food, then surely... He's going to care for me. That's the promise of Jesus Christ for you today. If he actually beautifully decks out and dresses flowers in a field that are alive today and dead tomorrow, then surely he's going to care for you. He's going to care for me. Jesus actually equates in Matthew chapter 6, he equates anxiety with having very little faith. And instead of being focused on the kingdom of God, I have my eyes set far lower and I look at the cares of this world. And in my anxiety, I convince myself that I just, if I could just wrestle and toil a little bit more with this problem that seems to be overwhelming me, I can solve it and I'll create my own rest. And it never works. And I convince myself that I can do what only God can do or already promised that he will do. And at times I even become overwhelmed and melt into just kind of a heap of uselessness in a dark room in the corner somewhere. But Paul's reminder, as I shared in a previous podcast in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, that the cure for an anxious heart isn't more toil or even a nervous breakdown, but rather reorienting my thinking, getting my thoughts in order, uh, to be encouraged that the Lord is near. He's not absent. He's not aloof. He's not sleeping. He's not busy dealing with other things. He's an ever-present God, which means that He knows your circumstances. He knows what you're going through. And if He's near, that means you don't need to be anxious because He's got everything under control. 
Paul's charge is to put off anxiety, replace it with prayer. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, he says. Prayers that are filled with with, uh, uh, thanksgiving. Uh, They're just overwhelming in their healing ability. So anxiety tends to focus on the negative, sends you spiraling down because you're self-absorbed. But praise, on the other hand, giving the Lord the bright place that he should occupy lifts our heavens, lifts our eyes to the heavens where our hope comes from. And that's where you're going to find peace in the midst of a storm. Uh, You're not going to find peace by thinking that you can work out the puzzle on your own. There's a puzzle in front of you, and I've got to have all these questions answered that my anxious heart, all these what-ifs, all these what-might-be's. Folks, you need to stop tearing around and building up all this chemical energy and just understand that the Lord is near. Peace comes when I remember that He is and that He can handle anything that comes my way. And I can come to Him with thankfulness, with gratitude, and think about what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, excellent and worthy of praise instead of what makes you anxious. Well, just like with depression, peace is found when you remember the Lord, when you remember His works of old, what He's done for you. And it's a moment-by-moment sensitivity to the depravity of my own mind and how well, how quickly it will descend if I allow it and take my eyes off Christ. Dave Furman, a man who is an author on this, is quoted by Joey Parker, and he literally says this, quote, How do we embrace God in the midst of our trials? How do we kiss the wave when we feel like we're drowning in despair? We remember the Lord. We remember what He's done for us. We look to God and every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that He's given us in Christ. We choose to live in the privilege of our adoption and the comfort that we are known by God. We glory in our Redeemer who died on the cross to save us from our sins, and we rest in His finished work and know that our God is in control of everything. He is our refuge, and He will never leave us. He will keep us to the end, and there will be a day when all suffering will cease, and we'll be face to face with Jesus for all of eternity. Oh my, Uh, That is a wonderful summarization of this entire thing when it comes to warfare and anxiety and depression. Keep your mind fixed on Christ. Serve Him. Walk with Him, will you, today? And moment by moment, live in the reality of His presence and in His power to take care of you in your trials. God bless you. Walk with